Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Edition with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Executive Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, some big news out of Days of Our Lives. Albert Alar, the show's longtime co-executive producer, is out, and coordinating producer Janet Drucker, who has been there for decades, has moved into his spot. It is a long, involved story that we detailed on our website, so anyone who wants to delve into it can go to SoapOperDigest.com. In other Salem news, the show is finally addressing the real-life death of John Aniston by having his alter ego, Victor, die in a plane crash off-camera, of course. Now, I say finally because John passed away last November, and uh, if you'll recall, the cast got word of his death on the same morning as the Day of Days event, so they all had to go and meet and greet the fans with smiles on their faces, but couldn't say anything because they were waiting for John's family to announce the news. And, uh, you know, the story is going to kick off next week. It will be Justin who receives word of Victor's fate. And those were definitely tough scenes for his portrayer, Wally Kurth, to play. Yeah, I'm getting choked up just thinking about how hard it's going to be to watch those scenes. You know, Victor was such a high impact character and John Aniston was just such a joy to watch in the role that it does sort of feel like we're we're all going to be experiencing this loss all over again. Uh, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of like real world emotion peeking into the fictional reactions of the characters on the show as news of Victor's fate spreads across Salem. And I certainly hope we get to see a lot of flashbacks. You know, I, I remember what a lovely... Um, Clip tribute they put together in the more immediate wake of John's passing, but there are so many classic Victor moments that I would love to see again. Oh, me too. I mean, as we've already discussed, they're bringing back John Paul Lavoisier as Philip for this story, and there will also be more familiar faces popping in to say goodbye to Victor, which I feel is not only fitting, but a must. You know, this needs to be as big of a deal as Victor was to the show. Um, I've got numerous inquiries to our sound off and ask us email inboxes, wondering why days hadn't done anything yet, but you know, their schedule is unique to daytime. The show shoots about seven or eight months ahead. So they really wrote Victor's death in as soon as they could. And they worked out, you know, what they wanted to do with the character. In other news, in the new issue, we are sharing some fun casting news on the GH front. Next week, Lily Ann Harrison will make her debut as Andrea Gates, a young woman TJ and Molly will meet with as a potential surrogate. 
So Lillianne is the daughter of Gregory Harrison, who plays Gregory on the show. I had a lovely conversation with her. Uh, she told me that her dad often stays with her and her fiance and their young son when he's working on consecutive days at GH. And so for the whole time he's been on the show, she's been running lines with him. So she's already familiar with at least some of the uh, the characters on the show. She said that everyone at GH was super welcoming and they uh, they even let her use her father's dressing room. And in fact, she took the opportunity to spruce it up a little bit and stock it with water and some family photos. <laughs> so she's actually the second real life family member of a GH star to join the cast in recent weeks. The first being Lauren Swickard, who is married to Josh Swickard, who plays Chase. Lauren is playing Janice, the nurse at Ferncliff that Cody had to figure out a way to how to sneak past, you know, in order to gain access to Sasha's room. And she said that getting to work with Josh Kelly, who plays Cody, and Amanda Sutton, who plays Brooklyn, and Sophia Matson, who plays Sasha, made for a really safe and comfortable experience for her because she's such good friends with all of those people, having gotten to know them through her husband. And uh, in fact, Josh told me that he was more nervous on her first day than she was, and they both got a real kick out of the inside joke the show scripted, where we found out that nurse Janice is a big fan of Chase's singing. I just love that so much. I mean, I just think it's just sort of a fun wink to the audience and with, you know, both of these castings. And mm -hmm. I just, you know, the all in the family element of it really works for me. Now, Y&R has a high octane story ready to pop next week, which is Ashley and Tucker's wedding. So there's a lot of drama surrounding the Abbots these days, and Jack will make his presence known as the Nups. So be sure to tune in. How is that for a tease? Mm -hmm. um, now, when I got my job here, the questions I was asked the most were, are Luke and Laura still on GH, which I actually still get today? And what is Luke really like? So our roundup in the new issue is a play on that. We asked actors to tell us which of their co-stars, their friends and family ask about the most. I just love the responses, but wasn't entirely surprised. I'm going to guess that our guest today is asked about Maurice Bernard's Sonny a lot. It's daytime Emmy winner Kate Mancy, who Days fans know as Abigail, but GH fans are getting to know as Christina. So let's check in with her and see how her Port Charles experience is going so far. Hi, Kate. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? I'm good. Happy to see you. Happy to see you. We are so thrilled to talk to you. Now, for many reasons, first of all, just because you've started on General Hospital, we want to hear all about your experience. But the fact is, we've been doing this podcast since 2018, and you never did it when you played Abigail either. So welcome to I the know. podcast. It's so crazy. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so honored to be here finally. <laughs> okay. Well, we are going to get right into it, Kate Mancy. You hail from Calabasas, California. Uh, best mm -hmm. known for better or for worse as the home of the Kardashians. So tell us about <laughs> yes. your childhood there. I usually, when people ask me where I'm from, I like to preface it by saying Calabasas pre-Kardashian era, because it's, it's really honestly so different. Like once Justin Bieber moved in, in like, I want to say 2004 or something, everything changed everything. And so it feels like it's a completely different place. It was like horse territory back then. And like, I don't know, those are the nostalgic days. But yes, I, I live in the, I grew up in the Kardashian, now now center of the Kardashian uh, saga. Universe. Yeah, well, yeah what, universe. What were you like? Tell us about you as a child. 
So I, um, I grew up as a dancer. I was very, um, focused in dance. My mom, uh, was, and is now a manager, but she started off as a professional dancer herself, moved here from Providence, Rhode Island when she was a young, like 17, 18 and did, um, like Xanadu and Greece and, or Greece too. And, all these like dance movies. And my favorite is she was in a Rod Stewart music video, which we all, when we go back to Rhode Island with the cousins, like all watch and tease her about. Wait, but, which um, song? Tur- uh, Young Turks, one of my favorite songs. I love that song. I it's know. one of my favorite songs. Same. Oh, I know, we amazing. saw it and I was like, that's my mom. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so she moved here and then uh, my mom very quickly learned uh, that there were no... Um, no agents for dancers and so she became she with her best friend became the first dance agent so that's how she sort of started into this then she got into um a bi-coastal agency for theatrical so i was really raised by a woman who was in this industry in a way that was so um such a like peek behind the curtain way like my childhood was like, you know, I would, I would die to go with my mom to these like open castings and sit with her and get in the car on the way home. And she would hand me like the stack of headshots and we would just rifle through them and say like, what did you notice that was special about this person? Like, what about their monologue about this? What could they have done differently? And there were these long drives that I really think shaped and molded my, um, taste in acting and and really also in like professionalism and how you present yourself and all of those things so I was very inquisitive but very driven from a young age really wanted to be a dancer um I sat my mom down no my theater teacher oh yeah okay so my theater teacher Bill Garrett told me there was a play uh, that he wanted me to audition for my senior year of high school. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm like totally focused on dance and this will take time out of that. Or maybe it was my junior year. Might have been junior year. Anyway, um, but it would have gotten me extra credits towards getting off campus earlier so that I could dance more. So I was like, fine, you know, screw it. I'll do it. So I auditioned for it, got the lead. And then that honestly like changed things, which I always think is so important to say because I feel like teachers are so overlooked and that's one of the most important things is like they could be such a huge gift in seeing before anyone else does and nurturing and embracing like and helping you find who you are. So I feel so blessed that I had that opportunity with that with that high school teacher had a great time at the play. I did feel a bit at that moment like the matrix opened because it was the first time I'd done anything that didn't include dance. So I, even as myself, my identity was like, I was the dancer and, and this was totally different and I loved it. And then, um, shortly after that, I was begging my mom to represent me or let her agency represent me. And her thing was like, you know, you, you can, I will open up my back then it was like a Rolodex to you. Um, when you graduate from university, but until then, you have to go to school and major in something besides acting because I see too many people come across my desk that aren't sure about it or, you know, whatever. So I begrudgingly was like, okay, fine, I will prove her wrong. And she, one day, I, um, before she came home, I memorized the monologue on my VHS tape, no less. 
like rewound it and played it again to the Notting Hill mon- famous monologue in Notting Hill, the one from Goodwill Hunting. Um, and then I did a Britney Spears um, with the chair, like Fosse inspired dance number. So I could like audition for my mother and show her that I was marketable as a triple threat. And uh, I like told her, I have a meeting with you when you come home from her work day, come upstairs. <laughs> she like came in, I like sat her down on a chair, did the audition and she was very like, okay. Like, um, <laughs> I see you spent a lot of time on this. And she was like, my answer hasn't changed, but thank you for the performance kind of thing. So then I went to Pepperdine University and just really wanted to pursue acting and and did so. So wait, can you tell me, because um, I know as a dancer, like for a lot of people, being a dancer as a kid means you just took classes, but you right. had a performance. Yeah, in a, in a yeah totally. Yeah. So I never quite danced professionally. I um, so I was yeah, I was really into like the competition track, everything. I won Dance Masters America when I was like, gosh, um, I think I was in my maybe like eighth grade, ninth grade, something like that. Um, And so I was really serious about it, much more so like contemporary um, than ballet. But I loved ballet for training. I just wasn't technically up to par with my peers um, on point that that is. Um, And so then... um, I got, when I started looking into universities, my first goal was I wanted to go to NYU. I wanted to go to Tisch. I didn't get in. And so I went and applied to Marymount Manhattan University with a dance like audition. I got a full ride as a dance scholarship. But at the time I had still been sort of like playing around with the idea of wanting to be an actor. And I knew that if I went to Marymount Manhattan for that, that would sort of like set me on a different track. So um, I pivoted and went to Pepperdine University so I could stay closer to LA. And um, yeah, and so I I think this sounds quite harsh, but my mom really, her um, vision, her her having her insights really helped because she sat me down right before I accepted, you know, I was like Marymount Manhattan as a dancer or this. And certainly I could have like changed my major, obviously, but that was really the turning point for me of like where, which way I was going to go. And she was just very honest and was like, this sounds really harsh, but she was like, you are too good to be in the background of someone's, you know, music video, but you're not good enough to be, you know, in the New York City Ballet or some of these like uh, principal dance ballerina dance companies. So like, let's talk frankly about like where that leaves you and like what you really want to pursue. And I always am so grateful that she was honest enough with me to have that conversation at that time, because it really did shift things. Like I chose to stay in LA and I still choreographed and danced through um, a company there that we really helped like kind of pioneer um with their dance community there so i still got to have access to that touchstone that part of my life um but then i was also like pursuing acting so i was taking acting class outside of school and i was auditioning and and stuff like that so yeah well when you look back now are you happy you went to college and had that experience you majored in public relations there yes i am i'm really glad at the time i remember my mom was like major in something besides 
theater. And I do think it was a bit of a like stress test of like, how much will you go through to how much do you want this dream? Which I also appreciate because I did grow up in Calabasas where, you know, my first experience was in high school was like, you would meet someone and they'd like hand you their demo tape and be like, Oh, like, check me out. Like, you know, it was, <laughs> I grew up in a world that was very, think people got things quickly and easily and then burnt out. And so um, I do think that that kept the flame that I already had, like really strong and alive. I'm really glad that I had her perspective on that, you know? So, and then I went to Pepperdine and I chose, I thought, well, what else would I do besides acting? Like if for some reason that doesn't work out. And <laughs> so I thought I would love to be a you know publicist or work in that industry because I loved the I think from watching my mom's career, actually, actually, like I loved the idea of strategizing and structuring someone's someone's career. Like I, I see that there's so much creativity in that um, that gets overlooked. So that's what I majored in. And I tried to minor in Italian, but then I sucked at it. So <laughs> I failed. Um, and then, yeah, no, it was, a, it was a really an experience that I'm very grateful that I had. And I see the privilege of being able to like go to a university, get an education at a time, especially then when like a lot of women in the world, like aren't able to do that. So while you were still an undergrad, you landed your first soap opera audition and I did all on one life to live. So tell us how that came about and what you remember about that experience. My gosh. So I hadn't booked anything yet. And I got this audition for one life to live in New York city. And I was like, this is like, it was like, everything was connecting. I was like, I meant to live in New York. Like, this is so, you know, cause I had spent my summers flying to New York to dance there for, with like Broadway dance center and like different dance organizations. And, um, so it, I felt like there, it was this like cinematic, like start to my career, um, flew there and, um, had the audition for one life to live with, I remember now it was, I ran into uh, John Paul and Farah, I think were there and were very sweet. Um, my scene was like something I was like in a bar and I thought it would be a really good idea to like have my drink and have like business like as an actor like just like she's like a flirty girl like with her straw at the bar and I thought it was like such a good acting choice and Frank came out and was like if you're gonna use the straw then you have to like some some specific hyper specific note like you have to turn it this way not this way and I remember being first of all like quite terrified and then like oh my God, like this is a man with such specificity. I like, I immediately wanted to work with him. Like it made it the icing on the cake for me. It wasn't like, oh no, I'm, I'm like backing away from this. It was like the fact that he cared about the straw. Like it just, it was, I, I felt like I could learn so much and, and really wanted that job. Um, didn't get it. Was on the flight home so upset. And <clears throat> so many people were like, oh, you know, it's, not meant to be. And I just was like, I have to go back to college. Like this, you know, my 20 something year old self, this sucks. Um, but in hindsight, I do think everything does happen for a reason. And I didn't get my first job until how I met your mother, which was, I think like shortly thereafter. Um, but then I didn't have to, I could still stay at, you know, Pepperdine and graduate, which was, I think in the grand scheme of things, quite perfect. Well, but yeah, that was my first experience with Frank. That's amazing. 
Um, so did you get How I Met Your Mother after you graduated or while you were still in school? No, I got it while I was still in school. I don't remember when that was, but I got it when I was still in school. Um, and I was just like a guest star on that, but it was such a fun experience. And, um, I remember I told Neil Patrick Harris, I saw him in the original rent, I think is what I said. Um, and we like totally hit it off and we're talking a bunch. Um, that's one of the unique things about my upbringing. Like my mom had clients and shows all the time. So we would get the opportunity. Like I remember being so young and going to see like all the tapings of Roundhouse. It's like famous show back then, which I'm obsessed with. And then going to, I think I saw Rent like eight times, once on like the original and like once backstage with their clients and went to the opening of Aida. And like, so the, that it was like theater was so intimately a part of my upbringing and performers, et cetera. But um, yeah, so I, um, yeah, so I, I booked How I Met Your Mother and was so happy and thought this was going to be like the start of my career and I could leave school and it didn't work out that way <laughs> and I had to like finish and graduate. And then, yeah, from there, then I finally booked something after that. So <clears throat> it was in 2011 that Days of Our Lives hired you to play the role that would ultimately win you a daytime Emmy, Jack and Jennifer's daughter, Abigail Devereaux. So tell us your Abigail casting story. Okay. So yeah, so I was, um, I was leaving days of our, I was leaving Pepperdine university and oh my gosh, I was like the love of my life, like first love, like in a very long, like five-year relationship. And I was, he was a musician and he was like traveling on tour the first time. And I was sort of like bumming out at that point, like what's going to happen. Like I thought I would, this, this grand cinematic, like start to my career didn't happen as I thought it would. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, what a bummer. I had to finish college. And then, um, and then got a call from, well, I had auditioned actually prior to that. I had had auditioned for Melanie's role, Molly Burnett's. So I had auditioned for days once before or tested. Yeah. Um, with Casey, was it with Casey? Yeah, no, it was with um, Darren Brooks. So I tested for that and really wanted that too. And then didn't get it. But that, that was the first time I had ever met Marnie. Um, and then I went to, what was it? I think, I, I feel like I had auditioned for them once more, but I don't remember, but that was the only time I had tested for them. Then I got a call from my agent and they were like, um, do you, we, we want to bring you back for days of our lives. And I was very hesitant because I was like, this broke my heart the time before. Cause I was really close to booking that role. Um, and I said, and they said, we want, we don't want, they don't want you to audition. They want you to come in for a meeting and Marnie's going to call you. And I was like, Marnie's going to call me like about what? So she called me and um, was like, listen, Ashley Benson is leaving. This is what the role is. I want you to come in for the meeting, but can you dye your hair blonde first? And I remember being like, what? Like, is this my Charlize Theron moment where I get to like dye my hair a different color for a role? Like I was like, <laughs> yes, I can. And I remember it was a, it was a Monday. And then quickly after that phone call, I realized like all hair salons were closed on Mondays. I don't know why that's the thing, but I was like, Marnie, what do I do? So I found someone's friend's cousin to do my hair in their like, you know, home, um, studio and I just did like highlights and I remember I sent Marnie the I had never done anything to my hair before so this was totally new to me so it's a long process for anyone that doesn't know like 
so there's a lot of time for anxiety to brew. Like I was sitting there like, am I going to come out blonde, blonde? Like I have like tinfoil in my hair. Like I, it was so foreign to me that I just kind of sat there and was like, what's happening to my life. But then I took a picture afterwards and texted Marnie and was like, is this enough? And she was like, yeah, it's great. Like maybe a little more highlights. So I like went back under for more highlights. And I was like, at this point, like if I don't book this job, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, went to dinner that night with my then boyfriend and he broke up with me over sushi and told me that I looked pale with blonde hair. <laughs> I think oh is how it went. I might've been exaggerating. I think I asked him like, I, I might've been prying a bit and he's, he was like, not sure about it. But anyway, <laughs> he broke up with me after five years that dinner the night before. And I went home hysterically crying so much. So, and I had moved home at that point. Cause I had just graduated and like, wasn't sure where I wanted to land yet. And my mom, I think I like was so beside myself because I had this huge meeting the next day. What a dick, right? And my mom, I think was like, um, putting me to like, was like calming me down and fell asleep with me. And I remember I woke up and she looked at me and she was like, this is the day that your life is going to change. And I was like, I don't know. Is it like, who knows? So I felt all angsty. I went to see Marnie with my blonde hair, which really was not that dramatic. It was like a couple of highlights, but like <laughs> I felt like a whole new identity was happening. <laughs> so I went into her office trying to be like really strong because Marnie is like the ultimate, like you can get nothing past that woman. And I sat down and was like, hi, like trying to be so cheery. And she was like, what is wrong with you? Something's wrong. <laughs> I was like, no, nothing, nothing. I'm fine. And instantly started crying. And that woman listened to my whole story about the breakup, then fixed my makeup for me, re helped me reapply, like totally got me like gave me a Tony Robbins sort of like boost got me back on um, and then was like, all right, we're going to walk over and talk to Gary and MK and everybody over there. And like, let's just like see how you feel when you walk out of this meeting. So it was very much like set up to be like, but every way I kept kind of telling myself, like, I'm not going to get overexcited. Look what happened to me last night. Like anything could happen. So I went into the meeting and Marnie had said right before we opened the door, like, just try to be very vague. Like if they, you know, I think because they didn't want me, I knew that Ashley Benson was leaving, but like I, they were trying to protect me around the whole thing. So She's like, just be very vague. And like, so I remember sitting in the office and Gary Tomlin was like, you know, we work really fast here. Um, do you think that you can handle like the pacing? And MK was like, yeah, I mean, we do like five episodes sometimes a week or whatever. And I remember just hearing Marnie, this is like such a Virgo to take good direction. Like all I heard was Marnie in my head being like, be vague. And so I was like, five episodes a week. Yeah. I love episodes. Like, I, I don't know. I was just sort of like, love, love, like, and at that point, like MK kind of like let out a giggle and Marnie like looked at everyone and was like, should we let Kate step out so we can have a quick chat? And I was like, okay. So I went out into the hallway and they were like, you know, all conferring about things and, and Marnie walked out. And meanwhile, while they were in the, in the office, I was like, building my steam it was like this is it if this if they don't cast me in this like I dyed my hair blonde like I'm just gonna like I like gathered my chutzpah and was like I'm gonna tell Marnie like I'm never auditioning for days of our lives ever again like my romance with days is over and so <laughs> she walked out and she had like a tear in her eye and I was like oh my god Marnie don't feel bad for me it's fine like these things happen 
like it's okay but like this was really like a lot for me and i'm not coming back and she was like well you just wait till we get inside and shut up i think we just booked you a contract for all in days for and i was like oh okay so then they like went outside and we facetimed my or not facetimed back then called my mom and she was i was like mom i'm gonna be a real actress like i was very it was such a special 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 moment but in hindsight really cool too because I had all these sprinkles of GH sort of through my life. Like I had met Frank before and um, really wanted to work with him and and respected him. And then Gary Tomlin and MK. So it was like looking back on it, it's really, it's something that I really cherish. But yeah, that's how I started, started on dates. And then I think I started like the next, I don't know, it was so quick. It was like the next week or something. And then I was like going to days of our lives and was like sayonara high school boyfriend <laughs> so that's how that went so your family had been fans of days of our lives so how did they react when you got the role so my mom and i had a trip planned to go to rhode island to visit our extended family and um i was like the bell of the freaking ball like they were just <laughs> like Okay. And I didn't, it was really quick after that. I hadn't received my first episode yet, but I did. Um, I, I knew that I booked it and my cousin, Paul Konerko took my head first headshots that were like, somehow it was like leaked that I was like playing the new Abigail by the time I stepped off the plane. And I felt so cool that something was like leaked about me. Like I was like, I feel so important. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, totally. <laughs> So I like came into my family in Rhode Island and uh, from the second I got off the plane, they were like, all right, we're going to tell you everything you need to know. So it was like a whole schooling of like, I didn't have to do any research, which actually worked great because I loved that I got to hear it from them versus like watching it myself and, and forming my own opinions about the role of Abigail or, or what have you. So um, that's sort of how I, I learned like an important lesson then about like not having the visual and just like sort of taking it from people's um, perspectives. But yeah, they were like, oh my freaking out. You're going to be a part of the whole Jennifer and Jack story and blah, blah, blah. So they were very, very excited. We had a lot of late nights at my grandfather's table with like, you know, cousins just like coming in from work, like, oh my God, we forgot to tell you one more. Like it was a really special, <laughs> fun experience that to this day, I, I just went back recently to Rhode Island to visit my family. And sure enough, she like had the, um, my grandmother had the soap opera digest, the lovely article that you guys wrote about me, like out on their piano. And then another cousin came in and was like, had it in her purse and was like, I brought it just in case grandma didn't have one. <laughs> She's good. But Thank no, you to very... your family. Yeah. Thanks for I know, exactly. Rhode Island sale. I know. Right. Totally. But the irony too was like Peter Konerko took my first headshot, which is so sweet. But then Paul Konerko, his brother, Steph is a huge white Sox. He won the series. Yeah. So we were like, um, I was like, I know that was, name. <laughs> yeah, no, the family was freaking out because they were like, all right, that's it. You're going on my, my, my hall of fame here. We've got Polly. We've got your mom in the Rod Stewart video. Like <laughs> now you get to be on the family hall of fame. And I thought, you know, I made it. I mean, I, I that was so exciting. I've been leaked yeah. about and now this. Uh, totally. <laughs> like what is cooler than like stressing about being leaked about? Like I felt, I felt very special. So yeah. That is hilarious. So right, then you had to report to work. Do you remember day one and anything about that first day? Of course I do. Yes. My first day at work was crazy because 
I came in and I was sitting down next to, so Marnie very sweetly had like, um, at this point, Marnie and I were, you know, so close, but she was like, she had, we had had a work session earlier that week. So I knew my lines and everything, but she was like, when you get there, Missy, the woman that plays her mom is so sweet. And she's going to want to run lines with you. And, um, I was like, okay, but I want to like, wait till she asks me. So I don't like disturb anybody. This is like a very dancer syndrome, like thing. Like we're very like self-sufficient and like on our own like thing. So I got there and Missy was sitting next to me in makeup and my makeup artist was asking me like, so how was your weekend or we, whatever, what did you do? And I was saying, um, I had just come home from, we have a family cabin up in the mountains a bit by uh, Mammoth. And I was showing her these pictures. And the first thing I think Missy ever said to me was, I was like, you know, and then there's this river that goes behind her house. And it's, I, I was showing her some like quite unique like characteristics of our property. And she was like, oh, is this the house with the, um, like the fire pit with the like stumps of chairs that are like carved out and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, this is now, this is getting really weird. And I was like, yes. She was like, we have rented the cabin next door to yours. And there was the nicest man stepping out front, having his morning coffee that then started telling us about, and I was like, yeah, that's my dad. hundred percent. That's my dad. They were like, he was like so nice. And we just sat and talked with him for hours. My dad's brevity is not our strong suit in our family, but <laughs> he it, like, I knew immediately that that was my dad. So it felt like this total synergistic, like beautiful moment. And then I was like, hi, I'm about to play your daughter. And she was like, oh, sweetie, like, that's so crazy. So she knew the the people that had the cabin next door to us because they don't really like rent it out. But I wasn't there and she had stayed there. And like they, she and Scott had met my dad like before it was so great. She was like, Larry caught his first fish there. And so that was like a real, like, I was like, okay, this is exactly where I was supposed to be at this time, which is such a rewarding experience. Mm-hmm. And um, then I started my scene with Sean Christian. That was my first, um, that was my first scene I did when I worked was, I had to do the big, like, I'm home. And my mom and Sean, like, opened the door. And I, like, threw my... They said to give Sean a big hug. So I, like, threw my arms around Sean and hugged him. And I remember they, like, stopped. And I was sitting there, like, did I do it okay? And, like, Gary came over to me, like, you know, really quietly. And was like, Kate, uh, could you maybe try to have less chemistry with the man who's about to play your stepdad? And I was like, yes, of (laughs) course, of course. Yep, no problem. So then gave him one of those, like, big, like, kind of, like, pats on the back hugs. But... um. No, it was, everyone was lovely. And I still to this day say when people ask me and when Frank and I were talking about starting on GH, like I am the woman I am and the actor I am because of the people, but also like, I will always credit the women on that show that really like extended themselves to show me the ropes really like, I want to say raise me, but they're not old enough for that. So, (laughs) but like really truly take me under their wing and just extend themselves, which I could not be more grateful for. Ali Sweeney and Christian and Mary Beth and just, and Missy, just the, the most from everything, from knowing upstage to downstage to Ali telling me, you know, teaching me like when you have your first like love scenes or whatever, like it's okay to like talk about what you're comfortable with. And I was like, but how? Like I need a template, you know, like she was like so so great with that stuff and Christian like we really bonded on like a personal level and Mary Beth and I think just watching those women and Eileen Davidson I remember like watching her as an actor like it really 
spoke to, like, I remember it was like watching the next branch I wanted to swing on of like, I want to take a little bit of that and like a little bit of this professionalism from this person. And so I really was like, like how I was with my mom when I was going home from her castings, like just like wide eyed, so hyper absorbent, like really wanting to make the most of this experience. And I got really lucky that I was on days because the the people there, but like the women there really did um, show me the, the, show me the alternate way of this industry of how you can be so kind and extend yourself in such a beautiful way. I love that. Um, now your first, one of your first co-stars was Casey Diedrich who played Chad, which yes. got the Chad Abigail romance um, in motion. Yeah, So what do you remember about just starting that love story and working with him? My gosh, I remember I had Googled him before. Was Google? Yeah, I Googled him before. And it was like this whole thing about how he was like a badass like skateboarder. And I was like, whoa, like, should I learn to skateboard too? Like, (laughs) is this going to be like an Avril Lavigne love story? No. So then um, (laughs) I knew that he was with Molly and I had auditioned to play Melanie. So I was like wanting to make sure that everything was copacetic with that. And I came in and Molly could not have been sweeter. Why, why, you know, open her arms up to me. Um, and with Casey, I remember, I think I was really surprised by someone who even back then was like this, like very like chiseled, like mysterious, like, you know, guy, um, being so goofy and so like sort of off the walls. Um, so that energy I think worked really well for both of us. Um, and we had just a really quick, like natural spark of chemistry. I don't know how or why, but it just it felt very kinetic and alive and also was so special because I became really good friends with Molly and himself uh, at the time too. Yeah. But no, I love, I loved working with PC. I loved our story. I like, yeah. Well, another big like early chapter for uh, Abby was falling for Austin, which put you in the mix. Oh my God. Dune and Christy Clark. What are your thoughts of that era? The fondest. Like I, (laughs) I literally am like, I'll never, oh my God. I ran into Patrick Muldoon. I live on the West side now. I ran into him the other day. It was like, I don't know. It was like 10 o'clock at night. I was walking back from a bar. He was like, no, he was sitting down at a bus stop. And I was like, why is he at his bus? But he was out front of this like incredible Italian restaurant that we love. And he was just like taking a seat. And like on his phone. And I literally was like, I think that's Patrick Muldoon. And as I started walking closer, I went Patrick Muldoon. And he like fumbled his phone, like so Patricky, and like looked around and was like, Kate Nancy, who he never says my name ever without both. <laughs> and we had, who I was with, the, the people I were with had no idea who I was talking about. We just had this like huge love fest in the middle of, literally in the middle of the street. Cause he was, he's so dramatic. He like walked in the middle of the street and was like, oh my God, this blows my mind. Um, But we also had like such a crazy, like fiery kinetic thing. And so again, like, and so special to have that with Christy, because that could have really could have gone a different way. Like they, again, like a younger, like person coming into this huge super couple storyline, they could have been like, you know, screw you, like, no, thank you. But Christy immediately was like, come round lines with us, like come have dinner with us, come you know, and that energy, I think really like helped me feel safe and secure enough to be their peers in that. And and that was such a huge gift, but it was, it started because 
feel like I, I feel like I must have said this story at some point, but it started because when they brought Christy and Patrick back for the it was the big 50th anniversary, which also was when they brought back Jack, my dad, Matthew Ashford. And I was so excited to meet my dad. I had asked people for so long, like, what's my dad like? What's my dad like? And uh, everyone was like, yeah, he's he's, he's a character. Like, we can't explain, he's just a character. And I was like, okay, but like, what's he like? And then he comes in in this like scene, this like epic first scene that he had, he had to like fall into the cake and it was like this big. And I remember like watching it and being like, oh yeah, that tracks. That's exactly how people say like, there's no words. Like he's just such a character. Like once you know him, that's it. It's just like, he's his own brand. Um, but I met Patrick and Christy. They had this like big, like iconic, like, do you remember that episode stuff where they like walk through, like, I feel like it was like a tunnel of people. And like, it was just, it, it felt so big and special and they felt so like, you know, Patrick, Christy and Patrick and, um, yep. Austin and Carrie. And it was, I think they called lunch or five or something. And I was sitting on set still with Patrick and he had like some mascara on his eye. And I just immediately, or like under his eye, and I immediately just like went in for him and was like, so you always like wearing makeup or what's the like, what, like, do you like to smudge your, I think I made fun, something like, oh, I think I said some something about like, were you smudging your makeup, to like keep the rocker in you or like something dumb, like that I said, and he just like looked at me and paused and then just like let out this laugh. And we, everyone was gone. And the two of us just sat there kind of from there, like, and, um, and we just like, and then before we knew it, everybody was like, okay, we're back. And the writers later said, like, we were all like, like, it was like record scratch. Like they all kind of like watched the screen and were like, oh, what's happening here? So I will say like there, I think that like, that's the beauty of, of TV of when you, when you get that opportunity to watch what's happening. And, um, there was just such a natural chemistry and I don't even mean, it wasn't even necessarily romantic at that time. I mean, it was really just like, you, you know, you have a certain energy with people and we just like totally clicked. And I had the same thing with Christy too. Um, but then, yeah, our story, our storyline picked up and, uh, we just, I think Patrick and I really understood each other because I come from a big Italian Irish family. He's, he's, you know, has his stuff and is Irish. And so we, I don't know, it was just, you know, when you know, that feeling where you see someone and you're like, I've, I've known you somewhere somehow, or like you fit in my world. It was like that. But Christy and I became super close. I went several times to go hang with her husband and kids who I love um, to San Francisco for a festival. And like, she's, a friend for life. So again, another woman that I'm so lucky to have been able to work with. I love that. Um, now Abigail became a third party interferer, if you will, in another day's duo, EJ and Sammy. So what do you remember She's about such working? a little homewrecker? Look, look at that girl. Um, what do you remember about working with Allison Sweeney One and James start. Scott? Can't stop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was really, I was really intimidated to, I think more so in that one, because Ali, like the true Virgo she is and myself. Um, I was really nervous because Allie and James had had already had such a rhythm set to them, you know, and the way they work. And they're so both of them care so deeply and were so passionate about their characters and their work. But I was those was one of those moments where it was like, you know, I, I felt like a kid, like when you're like playing double Dutch, like jump rope and you're like waiting to like get in. Like, I feel like I was like really, really kind of like timid on that one to get into it. 
but also because it was a bit more, I mean, no, the, the Patrick Austin, that one was too, they both were bad, but, um, that I mean, <laughs> as in like naughty, not bad, but, um, but Ali was so gracious and like, would be very like, okay, I'm done with James now you can run with him. And like, I was really trying to be like, does anyone like just, you know, trying to sort of walk on eggshells. Um, but again, I think that that storyline also shaped who I am as an actor because I learned and, and a professional in this industry. Like I learned so much from, it's an awkward thing to step into a huge super couple like that and have to just sort of sit in your discomfort and be like, well, this is where we're at. Like, it's a strange dynamic. Um, but they both were so game and were so open. And um, I had so much fun in that storyline, like truly. And a lot of it, I will say like a lot of it had to do with Allie and the way that she set the tone, I think. Um, there wasn't even an ounce of condescension or like you don't belong. Like she was so great. Um, and I learned so much from her, you know, being a part of, I, I got I got such an intimate look into their dynamic and what makes them the super couple they or made them the super couple they were which was largely because of how much um work they put into their own characters individually and their storylines so that sort of like again popped my consciousness of like oh this is what's possible so i think that again sort of shaped me for how i you know worked moving forward well the degree of dramatic difficulty with which you were tasked did not slow down because <laughs> after the fallout of abigail's affair with ej came this next amazing new chapter when she got involved with ben weston played yes. at wilson and the big triangle emerged between abigail Ben and Chad with Billy Flynn taking over the role mm -hmm. of Chad. Not yeah. sure if you remember this, but Ben turned out to be a serial killer. Uh, who's <laughs> what? Obsession. No. I, I know. I know. How soon we forget. Um, but his obsession yeah. with Abigail made for such a, a humongous story and built tremendous rooting value, of course, for Abigail and Chad, a.k.a. Chabby. So first, you know, what are your standout memories of working with uh, Robert Scott Wilson? Yeah, I remember when um, when they brought I was in the makeup room one day and they were like, we because Robert was a recast. So they were like, we have um, Marnie was like, I have Rob here. You're going to love him. He's a fellow Bostonian, yada, yada. And I was like, great, like, let's like get to work. My thing has always been sort of like as long as someone respects the work, like I'm game, like let's. So she brought him in and I remember being like, oh, hello, muscles. Like, okay. <laughs> um, and he was sweet and lovely and uh, very like wide-eyed and bushy-tailed to be there. Um, and I think we, if I remember, I think in the beginning, it was a bit like we were, I think there was some time where we were dancing around it and then the storyline happened. Maybe it was pretty quickly after that. I don't quite remember, but he um, and I had time to really like develop a good um, cadence together as actors and stuff. And and then by the time that story came around, I think it was a bit full circle now that I think about it, because I was in the position almost of Ali Sweeney and of Christy, who sort of gave me the opportunity of showing me like, oh, no, this is how this can be done. It doesn't have to be, you know, awkward and uncomfortable, and etc. So I really like took their um took a, a, a page out of their book and just like made it like this incredible three-person like unit and was like we're gonna like live and breathe and like move together through this and um it that we just 
yeah, like really, I, I think if I can credit myself with anything, I think I'm a very, I'm, I have like a, I'm very loyal and I have a real like, and I'm really like passionate to a fault about my work and, and anything I do really. But with both of those men, with, with Billy and with Robert, they're, they're sort of equally like matched that way. So I think pulling them in and like saying like, okay, here's the bar where all of us want to work. Now let's like keep each other at that level helped us all three like stay accountable and if something felt off like so I think that really worked well and also we I think I it was so important for me as a woman too to handle that story with some delicacy um and also for myself like it was a really intense storyline so that was the first time in my life that I really had to consider the balance of well wellness, if you will, like for myself, like in recovery, almost after such a crazy storyline, because that was I think the, that was the peak of us working any sort of like domestic violence scene with Rob and stuff like I really had to give myself a habitual kind of like come down to just like decompress. Um, but yeah, they, they're both terrific. And, and yeah, it was, a, again, like a big magical story. Mm -hmm. Now, I feel like the chabby relationship sort of took on an even more intense vibe once you and Billy were paired together. Did you get that mm -hmm. sense even playing it that fans were really connecting with yeah. this duo? Totally. I don't know when it happened, honestly, but I think um, I remember when I tested with Billy and a bunch of, I tested with 13 guys. And I remember I walked into Lisa Day Cosette's office at the time who was there. And I said, it's him. It has to be him. Like it's him or no one, like it's got to be him. And not to say that I had that much power, but there was just something about him that was so, um, it, it just felt so right. And so I think, again, that's like that natural energy of chemistry. Um, and Billy and I definitely kind of felt that wave taking off. And it was special because he got to make that really his own after after um, Casey had, had done it. And I was a recast, so like I know the sensitivity there. But he was, um, I think we were lucky that the writers paid attention enough to what was happening organically to write for that. Um, so yeah, but it, it definitely, I felt it for sure. Well, I just remember how uh, beautifully like you solidified your standing in our genre as like one of the the just most blazing, no pun intended, because I am thinking of the fire scene, <laughs> blazing talents that, uh, you know, Thank we had you. in the genre and then you decided to leave. Um, so tell me making that decision. Yeah, I think that, um, so my contract was up at four years. And I remember Ken had asked me to stay because he wanted me to stay till I think it was the 50th anniversary, if I have that right. And I felt like as I felt, I remember I talked to my mom about it a lot. And she had said, like, you're a part of something bigger than just you and staying an extra year isn't gonna, you know, take away anything from you. But as a part of this like community that was started before you and 50 years and for NBC and days and everyone, like, I think this is an important thing for you to do. So, um, and I wasn't quite ready to let go of the Abigail story yet. So that extra year, um, was really special. And I remember at some point they had asked me to come back and I had said, I need a, a couple weeks to think about what I want to, what they had said, like, you know, what was the, I had asked what the storyline would be to stay. And they said they were still 
finalizing it, but were open to my suggestions, which was the first time I'd really thought about it. So I took a couple of weeks and thought about it. And then in a weird twist, I kind of was like, if our job as actors is to make everything truthful, like what would happen if this were like a real life person? Like if all of these things really did happen to that happened to Abigail really did happen to someone. And we're talking back when it was like, like, I'll never forget when someone pulled me into their office and was like, so now we're going to do the virgin storyline of Abigail being a virgin. And I was like, I think she's already had sex guys. <laughs> they were like, no, it was, it was flashback, flashback. So I really, I went to um, a friend or someone that I was introduced to who was a therapist and said, I'd love to like borrow you for a couple hours um, a, a few times and talk to you about like as if it were my character and like what you would I what you would um diagnose me with if this were all real and she was so great and we talked a lot and then eventually was like I mean the only thing fitting would be dissociative identity disorder because how else would you like forget you have this and that and blah 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 and I really took that and kind of ran with it and went to, I forget exactly who I went to, but had a long conversation with them about maybe that being what I, the storyline I stayed for. And they loved the idea. Um, and that became Abigail's sort of like trajectory of what sort of took her out of it. And that was my, you know, favorite, like my most favorite thing I've, I've ever done. It felt so personal and special and, and just fit so well. Like it was such a fitting end sort of, so to speak of all of that. Um, and really the scene um, that I had submitted for the Emmy where I was like jumping up and down on the bed with the, all of that. Like I remember in the moment we were right about to shoot that scene. And I said to Albert at the time, I said to our executive producer at the time, um, can I go grab something from my dressing room? And he was like, we're shoot like what? And I was like, just trust me, went over. And I had saved the engagement ring that Ben proposed to Abigail with. So I like brought it out and was like, don't tell Rob what I'm doing. But like, I just want to like have it in the scene. And that like worked so well. And I think I like dug it into his like shoulder at one point when we were, I was like jumping on the bed or something, but like, it really, I don't know. It's funny. It felt like every, as I was doing it, it felt like everything was like, I kind of had an outer body experience. Like everything was coming together, but um, yeah, it was a great story. It was so much fun. Well, then what did it mean to you to win the Emmy for Outstanding Supporting Actress in 2017 after you had wrapped your run? Oh my gosh, it was so special. So Cassie DePaiva and Mary Beth Evans kept saying like, it's going to be you, it's going to happen, it's going to be you. And I was very much sure it wouldn't because at the time, I remember thinking Vanola is in my, like Vanola. like this is like, when I first saw Vanola's work, first of all, I was like, she is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life, which she still is. Um, and I had such reverence for her work. So I really didn't think that that was like in the cards, to be honest. Um, and again, a healthy dose of honesty from my mother. I was like, I mean, it's Vanola. Like she knew her work, obviously, from theater and everything. And she was like, no, of course, it's Vanola. Like, I mean, <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves. And it was like, right. So it was very, very special. And I wore this red dress that I asked my grandmother, Honey, who I was so, was so close to. And I said, you know, I have to go get an Emmy dress. What color should I wear? Because I wanted to like include her in it. And she was like, let me think about it. And then called me back and said, red. It feels like it has to be like red hot fire engine truck, you know, like red. 
I was like, all right. So I went to this, the first place I went and I said, I just want you to pull me every red dress. And it was the first one I tried on. And I was like, is this ridiculous? Do I look like a present? Like, how do I lose in this dress? Like, it was so embarrassing. And everyone was like, no, like, this is perfect. Like, just do it. And like, the dress will be the like reward. I was like, okay. So I had a lot of fun with that. And then was truly shocked when, when I won, like was just, I think I blacked out. Um, but yeah, it was, it was incredible. Like just one of the most special, I mean, I remember confetti falling from the sky and just being like, this is, I don't think it gets better than this. I have to remember this to tell my future children someday. Like this is so special. That's amazing. Um, okay. So you came into days as a recast and then after you left, Abigail was recast with Marcy Miller. Um, Yes. So I'm curious, like, do you know Marcy at all? I do. I mean, we don't know each other well. I knew uh, when she was starting, she very kindly extended like a really sweet message and then was like, you know, do you want to grab lunch? So we got lunch together um, before she started, I think. And then, you know, I really, I think there was some healthy separation so that she could do her thing and I, and I could sort of process like putting Abigail away. But I, I really also, to be totally honest with you, I was so, that last stretch with Abigail, I was so, um, took so much out of me that I think I really, and also I was so attached to her. Like she was so, such a part of me that I really, looking back on it, I think um, at the time I needed to just like really step back. Um, but I, I still think it was like such a classy, like great move that she wanted to like get together. And I think that the fact that I needed to step back from the Abigail of it all was actually the best thing for us because it really did give her the permission to just like dive in and make it her own. Um, and I needed to decompress, you know, but yeah, it was a bit complicated at the time. Mm -hmm. Well, just so we can get to Port Charles and not give it short shrift, I'm going to kind of like yes. get a little synopsis of everything after that. So in 2018, Marcy left, you came back. And then the show in 2019 created a spinoff series called Chad and Abby in Paris, in which you and Billy starred. Um, mm -hmm. And then you made the decision to leave in, again in 2020, um, which is when we saw the release of your romantic comedy, The Office Mix-Up, which starred Lawrence yep. Brothers. And then more recently, you appeared on Amazon Freebie in the movie, uh, in the series Casa Grande, which was uh, co-created by Lawrence Swickard, who is now the wife and a co-star, um, but the wife yes. of one of your co-stars, who is also now a co-star, um, Josh Swickard, who plays Chase on General Hospital. So you, you kept busy. And yes. um, I don't know that soaps really were on your radar in this past few years, but here you are in Port Charles. You had, as I understand it, a Zoom meeting with executive producer Frank Valentini yep. and Mark Teschner, the casting director, to discuss the possibility of coming aboard as Christina. So soaps making an entrance into your life about three years later. Tell us how it all came about. So I, um, yeah, soaps really weren't on my radar. I knew, um, I knew that Costa Grande was going to get picked up and, and that is my, has been a role that I've wanted to play for a really long time. Someone that's like edgier and really very, very messy in a way that Abigail, I had to like really work for ab that with Abigail. Um, so I was so happy that that was getting picked up. I was really crossing my fingers for there to be a season two. Soaps were not on my radar. Um, I got a call saying that Mark Teschner, who I knew sort of just, you know, from around, but not personally, 
um, wanted to have a meeting with myself and with um, Frank Valentini, had the meeting. And I speak very openly about the fact that I have endometriosis. So I took this Zoom meeting thinking like, you know, let's see, they didn't mention Christina. They said, we have a role, a potential role we'd like to offer you. So we had this meeting and within the first, I think like 20 minutes, um, Frank said, I'm going to tell you a little bit, a little bit about this uh, character and also like where we want to take her. And he's mentioned like in the storyline, she's facilitating part of an endometriosis storyline with her sister. And I got full chills because that's something that I think after the pandemic, we all sort of checked ourselves. And I really had a, a moment where I was like, I, I somehow in my bucket list was like, I would really like to speak on this and, and incorporate it into a role that I play at some point. So that was really bizarre and special. Um, and then what else? And then he, but he, they were lovely in that they protected me from, they didn't tell me who it was or what the character's name was. So I didn't really know too much. It was more just like, tell me about like general hospital. How is it similar? How is it different? Tell me about you, how, how, you know, the ship is run and MK popped her head in accidentally in the middle of the meeting. And I heard her off camera and then was just like, oh, I'm home. Like it felt so warm and, and friendly and, and nice. And she was like, oh my God, Kate Mancy. So that was really sweet. Um, and then I thought about it for, I think we had like a, a week that we like went back and forth and talked about it. I still didn't know. He said you would be part of a prominent family, but I didn't really know any of the details other than it would be to facilitate this um, big storyline happening with my sister with endometriosis and that this would be a character who was involved in LGBTQIA plus storyline. So both of those things are things that I'm, you know, wanted to use my voice for and what's passionate about creating story, stories with. So it felt like a great fit. Um, I signed up and honestly, like it was the fastest job I've ever, it was like, I feel like it was like a week later, I was coming home from New York where I was um, doing some press at the time. And then like started on General Hospital May 1st, I think it was May 1st or April. No, I think it was May 1st. Then I had that same night, the premiere of Costa Grande. So it was like a full, like a lot of things happening at once. Um, and I knew, I think I found out a couple of days before I said, all right, Frank, tell me, I need now tell me everything. Like, what's her name? What, tell me the whole scoop. He set me up with one of the writers and one of the editors. And I spoke to them extensively about Christina and her history and got to know a lot about her standing in Port Charles, the family, et cetera. And of course, found out that it was, um, Lexi, formerly Lexi's role. I reached out to Lexi and she could not have been, I think, you know, doors close and open for people at certain times. It seemed like she was really wanting to focus more on producing. And so that timing was good. Um, and also like wanted to handle things similarly to how, you know, Marcy so delicately and kindly handed them with me. Um, yeah. And then I started like so rapidly and it was like just whisked up and there I was in Port Charles. So then I had, of course, all my Rhode Island family calling me to tell me everything about Port <laughs> Charles, like the whole gamut. They were like, well, we thought we have before with Bo and with Bo and Hope. But let me tell you about Luke and Laura. And like, let me tell you about this family. So that was also really special. That's funny. So, um, OK, these aren't quite first impressions because you have been working there now uh, for a little yeah. bit of time. 
but let's run through some of the prominent players in your screen family. So hit us with Nancy Lee Gron, who plays Alexis. Okay. So my first day with Nancy, she could not have been kinder. First of all, I remember being like, oh my God, her skin is so stunning, but okay, let's like focus on the scene. Um, So she was lovely. She, um, I like to say it's so funny because it's, it's like with, with Missy as my mom, I got, I totally hit the jackpot, but in such a different way, like Missy is this like ultimate, like mom's mom, like nurturer, like, so like, you know, warm and soft and all of those things. Um, And then with Nancy, she is this real sort of like feminist, like chutzpah, like that I think feels more in line with my actual mother. So there's like that as well. Um, But she couldn't have been nicer. She, I remember she just like put her arm around me the minute I got there and I was like, hi, I'm Kate. And she's like, all right, walk with me. We're going to get some tea. All right. Here's where things like, let me tell you this. Let me tell you that. Um, So she was, she was great. And she just kept saying like, she was so excited to be working together. And that really like made me feel so welcome. Well, I was going to ask about Maurice Bernard, who plays your father, Sonny. Yes. So I knew obviously of Maurice before, but I knew of him because more specifically because Marnie, when I I called Marnie and said, I just have to tell you, I'm going to go to GH. She was like, oh my God, they're so lucky to have you. Like was so sweet. And um, and she loves Frank. And we talked for a bit about that, but she said, you know, she was like, I'm so close with Maurice and I'm going to like tell him to look out for you and whatever. And she was just like, so couldn't stop praising him and his work and how much I'm going to love working with him, et cetera. Um, and I think because of the way I went into days of our lives without like really like researching myself in terms of like watching people's work, I, I, I don't know. I've sort of set that as like a bar for myself. Cause I, I want to be able to take in who the person is and who the actor and the characters are myself in real time versus like make forming opinions about them before. So um, I had loosely watched like a couple like scenes that Mark and uh, Frank had told me to watch before I started. Um, So I knew his work obviously, but I met Maurice. I think I met Maurice, met Maurice the first day I said, hi, you know, I'm going to be playing your daughter. And he was so also like he was very um like present and he was like okay great but but a little intimidating because we weren't working together at that point so then the next time when I saw him when we were really working together he like before we started gave me a big hug and was like remember it's supposed to be fun and I was like oh that's such a lovely way to have you know to to sort of set this the tone for someone to start um and we it's funny like I feel like we both kind of were like animals like sniffing like you know circling each other for the first scene that we had um and kind of like getting a feel and then after the first scene he was like okay this is gonna be good like was really like a different person so that was really fun um and then we yeah we hit a great dynamic the first day I was there I worked with Nancy and I worked with Kelly Monaco so I was in sort of like the you know female family era if you will and then, can you tell I just went to Taylor Swift, Stephanie? <laughs> <laughs> and then, I know. And then I had my, when I had my episode with Jess Maurice, which is the two of us, that was like its own vibe. But then I really felt like a part of Port Charles. And I felt like I was like in a different, like it felt like things just sort of like clicked around me when I had a scene with 
Maurice, um, Dominic, and with Finola, who, as we know, Finola is my, let's put it on a pin, like I love Finola Club. Um, so I came up on stage to work with them and I saw Dominic was there and he introduced himself. Hi, I play Dante. And I just said to him, Dante, my cousin's name is Dante Giovanni. I won't say his last name because how exposing he's probably like, I want nothing to do with this. But um, <laughs> I was like, he is my favorite name in the whole world. And he's one of my favorite cousins. So like, we're bound to get along. And he was like, oh, cool. Except that's not my name or some like dumb, like, you know, <laughs> joke like that. But we instantly like clicked and started talking. He's from Toronto. My boyfriend's from Canada. They kind of like knew each other peripherally. Um, we had such a great like instant connection. And we sat down. We had this scene with Vanola and everybody. And it was the first time where I was like, Frank, I kind of want to like improv this one tiny thing in the beginning. Like, will you let me know if I can? And like, I'll show you in rehearsal and kind of apologetically about it. And he was like, all right, let's see it. If I hate it, we'll, we'll take it out or something. So I did it and, and uh, Dom and Finola both were like, oh my God, it's great. I love it. So we, we oh, wait, wait, wait. What was it. it? What was it? Well, it was so silly. Um, so my line was, this is going to sound, this is like so minutia, but my character, Frank and I talked a lot about the fact that this, that Christina, as I'm entering the role, it's a big sort of transition for her into kind of like being a bit of a people pleaser before and a bit of a, um, I want to say scattered, but like really she's starting on the journey of like really like landing in her full self and like being grounded in her decisions and being, you know, mature and, and in her leaving her infancy and making real like big girl choices sort of. And so I think my first line was like, I'll have, I was like, I'll have a um, vodka soda or something like that. And everyone was ordering drinks and then we get into the scene. And I asked, like I said, I just feel like this is such a good character moment because I feel like we've all been there where we feel a little bit wobbly in our skin, right? And you get somewhere and you're sort of like, I'm going to have, I don't know, am I going to have a, a vodka soda or do I feel like a tequila? What are you having? Like, and I said, I feel like this is quite a Christina thing to like look to her, look to Dante and be like, what should I have? Like, what are you getting? And then to sort of fumble with it and be like, nope, it's fine. I know what I want. And I just, I felt like that sort of highlighted so well the place she's in where she's like really trying to step, has one foot in this like sort of younger. Also, she comes from a family that is so opinionated and so strong. So she has the hold on that part of her where she can not coast, but sit back and ask people for help or advice and get it quite easily. Or like becoming the real like woman, decisive businesswoman, et cetera to be able to like confidently step in her role and her right choice in her choices, even if they're not right. So I, we played with it and it ended up being this like really big bit that we ended up playing with in the beginning in the rehearsal. And Frank was like, all right, let's like, like bring it in a little, but we can still play with that. But um, Fanola and, and Dominic were both in race where all of us were sitting there and they were like, you know, that's so true. Like this is about, this is like a, a you know, good moment for that or whatever. But um, it was a really small moment, but it was a very bonding moment for us. And I think that um, Fanola, Frank was like still kind of on the fence about it. And Fanola like looked at me and looked at him and was like, I like her. And I was beside myself because that was a very special moment. But um, yeah, no, that was, I felt like I was really a part of the family that way. And since then, like Dominic has become, 
I've made great relationships with people, but like he is one of my, a very like brother, sister, like familial relationship. And I, I just love that guy. Uh, well, speaking of siblings, tell us about working with uh, Kelly Monko, who plays Sam. Yes, who I love. Kelly, um, Kelly is great. She has a real um, sort of like, could feel like she has a bit of like a guard up to her in the beginning, which made me like excited to kind of break through. Um, and I think it was like the second day that we were working together. And I, I think we just like, I don't know what it was. We just like instantly kind of, oh, I know what it was. We kept showing up to work in the same clothes, but different versions of them. So like she would be in like a bit more edgy, but like, it, like so similar. And we'd always kind of like show up to set walking and like look at each other and be like, huh, okay. And like people around us would make comments about it. And then we did feel quite like, I mean, we're so different, but we, it feels like so sisterly, you know? Um, so, and then I think there was like shortly after that, there was a really long break in the day. So both of us really got to know each other well then. And yeah, she's, she's great. The thing I love about Kelly the most, which I learned quickly is like, what you see is what you get. And I so respect that about her. Like she's never going to be, she's so authentic to her core and I feel so safe with her because of that reason. Cause you never, she has something to say, she's going to say it to your face. And that's just how she is, which I is very much like the, the you know, family that I come from. So yeah, she's great. Um, I I'm, I'm grinning because I totally, I, I think, uh, I share, right? I think, I think all these people deserve the thumbs up that, that you're giving them. Um, yeah. So Obviously, the story uh, thus far, we've seen Christina start to get her foundation off the ground and also, uh, yes. you know, be quite uh, opinionated about what TJ and Molly should do in their journey toward parenthood and her suggestion oh, yes. that she might serve as a surrogate got a little bit of a chilly response. So how do you understand, like, what drove Christina to want to make that offer and why she's hurt that uh, they weren't racing to sign up? Yeah, yeah. No, I think in a way that's actually sort of similar to Abigail, which is sort of my access point to both of these characters. I feel very much like I can relate to the um, like bleeding heart, like just such a um, I think like there is a younger version of me who was so similarly to a younger version of Abigail when I first started and a bit of Christina now, too that I'm working with, it's very like, look before, I mean, leap before you look impulsive, like makes the offer without it from, from the best place, like really, truly, um, but not quite realizing it from other people's perspectives. So um, that storyline, I, I really wanted to, and want to try to portray that, you know, it's, it's from Christina wanting to really out of love and wanting to help her sister. And she just didn't really think it through all the way. She didn't really think through the um, actual mechanics of like being pregnant for nine months and like having to give birth and what would that be? And then so she didn't really see far down the road. It was just like, my sister is in need. I'm in the position to help her like bada boom, bada bing. And a bit, you know, I think that thread comes through too for, for Molly, who we always say, Molly's like, she sees a problem, she knows how to fix it, but she does it in a more like methodical thought out way. Christina does it in a more like, oh, A plus B equals Z. Like, sure, why not? Like, she just kind of like skips a bunch of steps and then like fumbles a little with it. But um, I think that's what makes it so special because it's from such a like deep place in her heart. 
Um, so that's, that's been the approach so far to that. Mm -hmm. Well, can you give us just like sort of a general, um, you know, feeling about how it's been being on general hospital, being in a new role for you and just what your experience so far has been like? Totally. It just, it feels so refreshing. Like it really does. It feels like familiar and also different in such a refreshing way. That's so special. Um, I do feel like, you know, the woo-woo-ness of it all, like of the full circle moment with Frank and, you know, MK and uh, Frank so sweetly, like had Gary um, direct my first episode, which was such a, like he, at the end, Frank was like, you know, I did that for you. Right. And I was like, yes, it was so special. So, I mean, not literally for me, but it was really special. Um, And I feel, I feel like, because I feel like it's honestly like, this is so how like it is uh, when you're trying to fall in love or meet someone like when you're looking for the next thing it doesn't always work or happen but in your life like when you sit back and you're not expecting it these beautiful gifts and opportunities come about and i really feel like general hospital found me i wasn't even like looking or thinking about it at at that time because i was so happy with the the train moving on this like Costa Grande track and was hesitant even to get involved in GH because I didn't know what was going to happen. Then of course now with the strike and everything else, like it's been, it feels like the all all signs pointed to, and um, I feel really like lucky and blessed. Like I really, I I had an instinct that day when Frank um, was directing on uh, on One Life to Live when I met him and was just like intimidated slash like inspired and all of those things. And I just knew like I was like, I'm going to work with him again at some point in my life. Like if I will it, you know, it'll happen. But I always had such respect and admiration for his the way that his our brains are really similar. Like who else would care about the way you moved a straw? Like I just and and fun fact, like on the um on my first day I did give him like a beautiful case of like metal straws and was like, I hope you remember. So we had a good laugh about that. But um no, I I feel very much like I'm in the right place at the right time and very grateful. So happy to be again on the set of a show that's so iconic and also with these incredible women who, you know, Laura Wright and everyone who, Finola and Mora and Nancy and all these incredible people who are um, so warm and welcoming and excited to just be, you know, working. Um, So that's been great. And I really am looking forward to diving into this more. I had a really special thing that I just found in one of the episodes I had to do with that's going to, I think it's going to air soon, but um, it was like a real like old school kind of moment I had with Abigail. I, I, there's a scene I'm supposed to do with my mom and I'm watching a show. And I said to Frank, like, I feel like they could be in like face masks. Like she could be doing. So we like working with Frank, who's so um, open to collaboration and also himself, like so specific is just such a dream. And working with Maurice, I, you know, in, in this episode that you'll see, I am supposed to be like lounging in my, like binging a show as we all do. But um, I went to wardrobe and I was like, Sean, I feel like she really needs to be in like sweats and whatever. So he was like, okay, let's look through. So we're like looking through the sweatshirts and I don't know why, but like when I walked in the first sweatshirt I saw, was like this gray sweatshirt with, um, not the one I'm wearing right now, but a gray sweatshirt (laughs) with red writing on it. And I was like, what's this? Like, this is, this feels right. 
And he was like, oh, no, 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 that's uh, that's a sweatshirt from Maury's. That's from Sunny's gym. Like that's not and like a split second went by and we both were like, oh, it's perfect. So we we ended up doing the scene in this sweatshirt, which is a sweatshirt representing my dad's like old, you know, gym. So little like nuggets like that make it feels so special. Um, and I'm, I'm happy that I'm in a space where we can create together like that. Well, Kate, this has been like so much fun. I actually blame you for making, I have my cheeks actually hurt from the amount of smiling that I've done in the past hour, but we're oh, so appreciative of your so time. Of um, so much fun. So we'll, we'll have to make up for lost time and do this again while you're still. Christine. Yes. I can't wait. I would love to. I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about. We will indeed. And we look forward to seeing what's coming up. And thank you for everything today, Kate. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Kate Mancy for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.